0: Welcome to Conscious SD, where successful San Diego leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to possibly change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a unique set of processes that unlock the unlimited passion and potential of your team to create a 10x result in your business. I want to thank our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, and Cause San Diego. We're all focused on impacting the community of San Diego through the work they do as business leaders. Welcome to the show. It's an exciting time of the year here in San Diego as we head towards the 2023 version of the Cause Conference you had a chance to attend last year's event with 400 attendees, amazing speakers, and just plain fun. You know what I'm talking about. This year, the 25th anniversary is going to blow past last year's event. And one of the main reasons is sitting right here in the BBB podcast studio with me today, Soraya Alexander. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. That's a setup. Thanks for having me.
0: Saraya is the Chief Operating Officer at GoFundMe and President of Classy, a social enterprise that creates world-class online fundraising software for nonprofits. She is the 2023 Co-Chair of the Cause Conference with Mitch Mitchell from Sempra, who we'll have on the show in a few weeks. If you're not familiar with the Cause Conference, it's about bringing together for-profit, nonprofit, government, and academia for a great day of learning, connecting, and collaborating to create solutions for the problems that impact our community. Soraya, thanks for stepping up to be the co-host here at uh, Cause Conference
1: 2023. I'm so honored to be a part of it. It's going to be an exciting day.
0: So uh, we got a couple things we want to do here today. Uh, we clearly want to learn about you a little bit. We want to learn about Classy. Great. We want to learn about uh, the Cause Conference and why you're doing that. But let's start out with the end in mind. Great. So if we just knock it out of the park here this year with the Cause Conference, what do you see? What's going to happen?
1: Oh, Good question. Okay. So I think the hope of bringing everybody together and inviting everybody to participate is this understanding that the challenges we're facing, the world we're trying to create requires people and leaders from all enterprises, all kinds of organizations, all kinds of categories of economic effort, and so when we think about kind of how do we engage nonprofit leaders, how do we engage business leaders? How do we engage students? How do we engage the public sector? I think there's a recognition that we are all part of whatever a future San Diego looks like. So I think that's the real promise that the future is kind of in our hands. And the recognition of that means that we have to invite everybody to be a part of that. So that's the hope of the day. and. If we look beyond that, you know, the cause conference goes well, we ignite all of these different people, what happens? I think it looks like a more interconnected, aware, excited, vibrant community that also can have ripple effects and be a model for cities across the country, across the world.
0: Love that, right? <laughs> I mean, even this podcast where we represent different business organizations uh, that are kind of comp, you know like-minded leaders, yeah. but they're on their silos. Yes. And one of the goals of this is like, you know, how do we start to share those voices and even, you know, on occasions trying to get these people together to, hey, you all should know each other. Yes. So I think the cause conference is an embodiment of that where oh, once once a year, let's, let's get together and rub elbows and talk about things and what might be so awesome.
1: I think that's it. You know, and I, I think that everybody kind of has their perspective on how they can lean in and what they can do and where they are on their journey. And we've talked about this a lot. I've talked about it with Mitch and with the the conference organizers. You know, nobody's got a playbook that has it figured out that's going to solve all the problems. And so I think taking that pressure off any one person, any one industry, any one company is really empowering. We all play a role in this and learning from each other, coming from a point of curiosity with a sense of what can I take that then can empower me to be more effective, impactful, think bigger is really the impetus behind it all. It's not putting somebody on a pedestal of having it all figured out. And, you know, we all have to adhere to that or what's the point? This is a journey and we're all on it together. And that's, it's an exciting place to be, exciting conversations to be having.
0: So why did you, why were you willing to step up to say, because obviously you're a very busy individual <laughs> and uh, here you are in the podcast and everything else associated with uh, the role you're taking on. Yeah. At a personal level, why did you say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to put in the time and the efforts uh, for the conference this year?
1: So I grew up in San Diego actually and left for college, getting started on my career, grad school, you know, I was gone for a really long time. And then I looked and said, where do I want to raise my family? And we decided to come back here. And as I look at San Diego through- a professional's lens, an adult lens, I see how much this community is actually very tight knit. It's this huge city, um, one of the you know major metropolitan areas in the country. And yet, you know, people, you can see the vibrancy and you can see your own ability to have impact in this really acute way. And a sense that the business community, the nonprofit community wanted to come together and be a model of interconnectedness, of conversation, of thinking about things differently and with more of a sense of responsibility to each other was inspiring. And so I was really honored, frankly, to be invited because it could have been so many of us working in the city. So it was a really easy yes for me. And mostly I just am excited to get a free ticket to be able to go and (laughs) be part of all of these conversations.
0: Poor planning on my part. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually going to be out of the country that week. so no, We'll okay. miss you. I'll take notes for you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. I have two events, actually. Uh, the BBBs have their torture yes. work while I'm gone as well. So, so <laughs> Somehow. We got to uh, plan this better. When my wife asked me about, hey how's september looking that's fine <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing going on
1: <laughs> you you can take and uh you know preach to the rest of the world whatever we're doing back here there yeah. you go, Share there the message. You
0: go. <laughs> well speaking of that you obviously in your position see a lot of the country yeah. so how is san diego kind of matching up as we sit here today relative to other what we're in the number eight size city I in the country, I think? Six,
1: six six eight six, something, something like that yeah
0: I mean, how are we matching up when it really comes to kind of the social things going on here? Obviously, homeless is a big issue. Every city's got issues. But, you know, how, how do you see us? How, how are we? Yeah. Are we like kind of below the curve, above the curve, looking like everybody else? Or
1: it, It's a good question. I think what San Diego has that's really unique is we are this big city, but actually the the networks are really strong within it, the informal social networks. I think what we're seeing across the country right now is this sense of people historically kind of had these different arenas of their life. They had family, they had this really vibrant work life and they had these really vibrant social lives. And one of the things when you're thinking about community engagement, philanthropy, activity and and volunteerism, a lot of that was actually rooted in either through kind of work connections, but even more so in these social connections. And we have seen this kind of steady decline of strong ties to your social arena over several decades. And you're actually seeing that reflected in, you know, things like political polarization but also in individual philanthropy individual civic engagement and so San Diego is not totally immune from that but I actually think it has the the kind of dna to overcome it because people know each other because they're strongly rooted in this it's not a highly highly transient city we actually have the ability to say okay how do we come together how do we reconstruct these social ties In this new era, everybody's distributed. So work ties are a little bit different. They look different now. And, you know, you don't have, let's say, you know, religiosity has been on decline kind of worldwide for decades. So what is making up that gap? And I think the the answer remains to be seen, but the DNA for that answer does reside kind of in spades in San Diego from what we've seen.
0: Right. We're, we're a big, small city. Yeah, right? and that's exactly it. And we've exactly you know, we got borders, like unlike many yes. cities just spread out. We yes. have oceans, we have international borders, we have marine bases, we have a <laughs> desert. It's pretty... We can only like, <laughs> like go so far, right? It's
1: pretty contained, yeah.
0: Yeah, we're in a box. Yes.
1: <laughs> beautiful box.
0: Yeah, beautiful uh, box. We are very fortunate. I love telling people I live in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I guess there's an interesting play. Uh, the CAUSE Conference this is the 25th anniversary And over the last few years, I've been engaged since uh, 2018. And kind of ever since I've gotten involved, there's been this move to try and be more of, how do we get the for-profit companies engaged in this? And then we had COVID, and that's just kind of through everything. But last year was a big effort. But still, percentage-wise, that was a small number. Again, this year, we're we're trying to make that happen. We've actually facilitated two meetings trying to ask for-profit, you know, business leaders, hey, you know, why do you do this? How can we excite other people to do this? What are your thoughts on that? How how do, I mean, for-profit companies, you're really busy for an operator, as you know, and got some weird things to do. And why should I, you know, why as a business leader, why should I engage in the social activities here in the community? Versus just stick my head down and go make some profit. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting because there's a lot of conversation around, you know, you should do good because it's good for business. And I kind of hate that approach because the second it's not as good for business, it means all of those efforts erode. And actually, there's plenty of research that shows, you know, more diverse workforces, more engaged workforces, produce more, do better. Great, that that's amazing, and I'm really glad to see that research. But to me, it's besides the point. If you think about what is the purpose of enterprise, there's a sense of, you know, when is enough enough? This sense of we always have to maximize, you know, profit at all cost and, you know, we operate in a vacuum. I just don't think it works anymore. And I think you look around the world and you see that, the way that income inequality has really kind of it's hitting alarming levels where people can't make a living wage. You see the environmental impacts of how we operate with our head in the sand, you see the you know, social unrest. And so I think there has to be a real reckoning of, if you are operating in a business of scale, you have impact on the community you live in and pretending you don't is irrelevant. You do. And you have to operate with a sense of real responsibility and accountability to the world you live in. And so it's nice that these studies show doing good is good for business. I think it's beside the point. And, um, we have an obligation to operate with responsibility. We're incredibly privileged. If you're listening, you're probably in, you know, some level of power and influence and and take that seriously.
0: Well, it goes back to, again, we're kind of, roots of this is conscious capitalism and the idea mm-hmm. of the stakeholder versus just the shareholder that the shareholder is like, yeah, give me the money. Shoot yeah. me the, yeah. my, my dividend check or whatever, right. versus stakeholders starts to say, hey, how do I take care of everybody that's this this business is touching, which includes the community you operate in and everything else. So we, yeah. we need to be making that shift.
1: I think that's right. And I think even there's a, maybe this is just a, a hopeful statement, but even if you're just, you know, quote, just a shareholder, you are a citizen of the world as well. And I think that people have an understanding that you can't compartmentalize things as much. The world is very interconnected. And so that dividend check comes, is is fine, is great. You know, there's nothing against that at all, but it comes with other implications and thinking about maybe opportunity cost, thinking about follow-on effects, thinking about unintended consequences is a requirement of being a member of the human race, I think. And so I just would entreat business leaders to think about it a little bit more broadly, even when you're trying to do big things in the world, uh, you don't operate in a vacuum. And so that's an amazing opportunity, I think. People wanna do something with the world. Every Everybody that I've talked to isn't trying to push people down to bring themselves up. You know, people in their own silos say, I wanna be a good person. They think about these ways that they're in small ways having amazing impact on their community, on their families, on their friends. And yet, there's sometimes a dissonance when it gets to work. It's like, oh, but that's work, right. but actually, that's where you can have the most impact. That's where your scale can touch the most people. So, what an opportunity to impact the world in a, in a positive way.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a business leader, you think about it. I mean, if you running an organization to say, yeah. got 50 people in it, so yeah. there's the 50. Yes. Then their families. Yes. The vendors. Yes. I mean, the numbers yeah. get really big it really, does. really quickly yes. and you stop to think about and you're a high person of influence, even though you might not feel that That's as you're right. grinding it out every day. But the reality is you are. Yeah. It's kind of funny you say that. There's this book over there, like a little library here in the podcast room. And yeah. what's to say, um, The Cheating of America. I, I grabbed it for whatever reason. I opened it up. And it it's about people not paying their fair taxes from yeah. you know, the, the rich to the corporations, all this. And I go to the front, when they write this book, 2001, yeah. <laughs> I guess we haven't, we haven't solved that problem yet.
1: <laughs> That's why we're coming together and having these discussions. It is hard. I get it. It's hard. The pressures are hard.
0: Well, with that said, let, let's uh, roll into your business because right. a very unique business that you have. Yeah. And right from the top, you guys are a social enterprise. Yeah a B Corp certified and a public benefit corporation, correct? Correct. That's a whole mouthful right there. (laughs) And not everyone knows what all that means. Yeah. So maybe tell us what does that mean and why do you do that?
1: Sure. Well, so um, I should kind of explain, you you introduced me as having kind of two jobs and it's true I kind of have two jobs. Classy builds fundraising software for nonprofits. And so we have the privilege of working with over 5,000 nonprofits in the U.S. from kind of small local organizations to the largest national organizations that you've probably donated to and you've probably used our platform without knowing it because we help facilitate donor connections with these organizations. About a year ago, we actually got acquired by GoFundMe and GoFundMe, I think everybody knows it goes without saying, it's, you know, become a verb, but it really helps individual fundraising. And we saw this opportunity to bring kind of the formal sector charitable space to this individual fundraising and build a much bigger community of givers and of people who are trying to raise money for good and trying to do more good in the world. And so the this thesis was really about unlocking more generosity in the world. We still operate as independent like entities. Unlocking generosity. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: the two-word-of-purpose guy. Oh, I'm good. One there thing you go. you got those nice little simple <laughs> things that everyone can remember. Crystallizes it. Here's good. what we do here. That's it. Unlocking, Unlocking generosity. generosity. It's All there. Right.
1: It's nascent in people. It's really intentionally worded that- we think everybody wants to be generous, and they just have to find the causes that show them their agency right. in doing it. So it's, it's
0: buried in a safe over here, that's yeah, it. I need someone yeah. to correct we, the code. Right,
1: <laughs> right. We don't actually want it buried. We need that money out in the world. We yeah, need really. more. We I'd need be more happy help. to write
0: a check. I just can't <laughs> get to it.
1: It happens, though. It's it. It really is what we find that great tech can actually have that impact of allowing you know the checkbook to come out a little bit easier. We're digital, so forget the checkbook, use Apple Pay. We operate as two independent entities. And so I get to serve as the chief operating officer of GoFundMe at kind of the larger scale, thinking about how do we help people make connections uh, more broadly. And then Classy, I get to serve as president there. And we do have, uh, back to your point on stakeholder capitalism, you know, we're really rooted in what is the impact of the work that we do? How are we doing the work? And so we think about, This on a few different pillars. We think about how do we engage and support our employees, so it's the most meaningful work of their lives. Hopefully, they're doing it in a really supportive environment. We're elevating them, and we're making sure that we think a lot about everything from advancement opportunity to pay equity to you know safe and supportive environments within our four walls. And then it's also how do we engage with the community? How do we engage with our environment? How do we engage with our customers and our stakeholders more broadly? And are we making decisions that contemplate the impact of our work on all of those dimensions? And so back to the cause conference, we do not have this figured out. This is not some playbook that we say, okay, you know, gold star to us. This is about constant striving and interrogation and thoughtfulness in how we make decisions to try to balance all of those things and make sure that we can run a growing sustainable business for our nonprofits and for these individuals, but do it in a way that contemplates the impacts of of the work we're doing as well.
0: Wow, that was awesome.
1: trying our best. (laughs) It's messy on the inside. Oh, you know, as all businesses are, but we try our best.
0: We will get right back to the show, but first, we have some very exciting news to share. On September 14th, Cause San Diego will be hosting the 25th anniversary of the Cause Conference 2023 at the new sharp Prebus innovation and education center the cause conference 2023 is bringing together for-profit non-profit government and academia for a great day of learning connecting and collaborating to create solutions for the problems that face our community for more information about the cause conference 2023 go to cause or hit the link in the show notes now back to the show Explain to folks, because um, again, I I don't think most people understand what a uh, public benefit corporation is, and or what's this B Corp all about, and what's yeah. just what kind of what's what's your definitions of those, yeah. just so people can kind of get their heads around that. Because I think they hear stuff. Sure. Like, you know,
1: I'll butcher the finer details, but I'll give you the broad strokes. Yeah. So a public benefit corporation is actually kind of a legal classification where we have requirements, um, kind of legal requirements to operate with our uh, broader stakeholders in mind. The way we make decisions, um, how we think about operating as a business, there, there are very clear legal requirements to operate with, you know, beyond just our financial kind of optimization goals at the forefront. The CERT program basically certifies organizations against a whole host of criteria, you know, again, environmental, community, employee, to make sure that the way that you're operating, it kind of scales you across a number of dimensions. It's this very exhaustive process where you go through kind of line by line, how are you doing these things? How are you thinking about these things? How are decisions being made? What are your declared policies? What is your opportunity for employee, whatever it is, engagement and advocacy and all of these different things. And it it has this litany of opportunities to assess your business and you do a self-review and then they come and audit you and you have to pass a certain score threshold. To be able to qualify as a B Cert. And so we are both really proud to be both. I don't think it's the only way to go. There's plenty of other ways that you can keep yourself honest and in check and how you're investing, you know, your profits, how you're optimizing your business, orienting your business. There's there's a whole host of ways to do this really thoughtfully. For Classy, that was the way we we chose.
0: It's a third-party version. It's
1: of- a third-party version of it. But again, I think that the the most important thing is being thorough in your evaluation of all of these different things and understanding where could we push ourselves a little bit more. That's the value for us of checking our own assumptions. Like we, oh, we feel like we're doing things in a good way. Once you have that kind of interrogation, you can find out pretty quickly. Like, oh, we could could do better. Yeah, we we could do better, exactly. So it's been a great process for us.
0: And so part of that is also recertification too, right? You have to actually show improvement as you go. You can't just uh, one and done it. We're going through it right now. Oh yeah, Yeah. really?
1: Oh yeah, and it's been great. We've seen where we've made real progress on a a few areas, which has been exciting. And we actually saw some areas where we said like, oh, we're not doing this, but it's because we haven't ever thought about it and Mm -hmm. having somebody bring it to light. Like we're working on putting those things into place now. So it's been a really healthy conversation so starter. So they brought
0: that to you. Yeah, exactly. So they, they're seeing the world. Yeah. So it's kind of creating best practice. That's right. That's right. right. Awesome. And social enterprise.
1: Yes. Social enterprise. Oh, that's a good question. How exactly would I declare a social enterprise? I think it's really that, you know, you hear a lot of companies say like, oh, we're trying to kind of do good in the world. And it's really an ancillary benefit of their core work, which is great. I've worked for many of those companies before where we have our core business, and we try to infuse social good through that business, or we try to do, you know, actions with those profits or with our kind of core business that help the community. The work that we do is pretty center of plate. Like all we do is help nonprofits and individuals raise money. All we're trying to do is make sure that we can drive more philanthropy, unlock more generosity, you know, help our customers raise more money to do more good. That, that is the core focus of our work. And We talk about ourselves as a social enterprise because uh, we won't veer from that. That commitment to the sector, to philanthropic giving is absolutely definitive and defines who we are. And so this is a reminder to kind of us internally of, you know, stay the course.
0: So it's almost kind of playing the game in the middle between the for-profit and non-profit. We're a for-profit company. We are a for-profit company kinds of activities you more likely would see That's right. in a nonprofit doing something, some sort of social environmental or something That's right. that, yeah.
1: Perfect. And the way, the way that we um, architect kind of revenue, because we are a for-profit company, is we make money when our customers do. So if they come over and they say, you know, we have ambitions to 3X our revenue, we've got big ambitions for sustaining giver programs or for running this new gala or for doing, you know, something that we've never done before. We only kind of really will raise when these customers are wildly successful, and so at that point they're kind of happy because we're we're part of the infrastructure that enables all of this good work, uh, and that good work translates to mission delivery, You know, whatever their cause is—cancer research or ending homelessness or what you know, whatever those things are. Uh, so we feel kind of really good and, and thoughtful about the business model as well.
0: Awesome. So tell me, um, between the GoFundMe yeah. and Classy, there's got to be some stories. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, hey, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to raise some money here. <laughs> I mean, do you take all comers uh, or, or is there some interesting like, uh, oh, you know, sometimes you got to kind of look at these things and go, wait a minute. <laughs>
1: You know, so we've got. Is there a uh,
0: filter somewhere? There's a filter,
1: but you know, so for us, there's. It's a really interesting question. We have a filter, but it's actually along. You know, we won't support organizations that promote hate or violence or kind of extremism. But uh, beyond that, our sense is vibrant society and civil discourse requires conversations from all parties, and so we do have organizations that really run the gamut of causes and orientations and effort and scale and. We love that. And so for us, our job is build really, really great platforms that help people who are oriented on the, their missions to raise money easily. Like we really believe in the power of tech. That's the hard part, right? That's it. Like you shouldn't have to be an amazing technologist to be a great fundraiser or philanthropist or a cancer researcher. Like you shouldn't have to worry about the tech. That's our job we provide the great tech, and then your job is build the community, cultivate the constituency, build the support around it, and we can make sure the dollars get to you. And that's the kind of handshake relationship we have with our clients. And so we're really happy with how we do that. And you're right that we've learned a lot over the years of who can do it well and who really struggles. And actually a lot of what we've done on both companies over the last several years is distilling almost to an art what makes somebody a really successful fundraiser, actually packaging it up and trying to help report that back to the sector and to individuals to say, yeah, because you're not- You
0: see a theme after a while. We see a theme. We've got,
1: you know, we've raised over $26 billion on the platforms across the past, you know, 10, 11 years. And so we have seen, and this is hundreds of thousands of campaigns, more than that, you know, millions and millions of donors. We, We kind of know what works. And if your goal is build the story, build the community, build the support, we can tell you what actually clicks. You know, everything from- how many characters in a GoFundMe campaign description all the way to how do you think about follow on engagement and giving thanks and, and storytelling in your, you know, enterprise campaign gala. Um,
0: so this isn't just some, Oh, we got this technology and you come over and we plug and play it. I mean, you guys are really bringing on an expertise to this. We that. try.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, it, it's part of kind of back to the, the social enterprise and we, we try not to make it restricted just to our customers. You know, we, again, at that my scale, my wife runs a yeah.
0: nonprofit. Amazing. So, uh, yeah. You can come I'll- over to the house anytime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to. And I don't even have to come over. We, we try to publish a ton of reports, studies, analysis from platform data on what we're seeing, and we just publish that kind of publicly. We host conferences, we do webinars, all to just try to help educate people on this is our niche, but that means, you know, we want to share it with everybody. That's not something that helps us behind closed doors learn more about. We try to get that into the hands of people who need it so that there's less of those extreme we're, we're going to come in. We've never had a campaign before and we're hoping to raise $100 million. Like you're probably going to fail. So let me get you, you know, the milestones along the way and try to coach you from the, at least the fundraising technology side of things.
0: Right. What about you? Yeah. <laughs> How the heck did you get here? We got a little early story. Uh, yeah. Raised here in San Diego. Yeah. And went off, saw the world a little bit. Decided yes. so to come back, raise the family. Yes. Did you start Classy here? Are you the founder? I'm not I'm-
1: No. Yeah, it's a good question. So I didn't start Classy here. I started running marketing here about five years ago when we moved back to San Diego. And as we saw opportunities to build out other teams, I kind of kept like taking on this function and then kind of rebuilding it and building it with some of my, you know, my partners and the team. And uh, it kind of kept evolving from there. And then about a couple of years ago, our founder moved into more of an advisory role. Actually, I mean, I was talking to him this morning. He's a great guy um, and is still very much part of the Classy family. And so I took over as president. But no, my my journey. We actually moved to San Diego when I was um, very little. First generation immigrants, um, Persian and Greek, and born in England. So like a whole mess of the world coming together. <laughs> a
0: lot of DNA out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. Which is the perfect, you know, the perfect backstory for you know the American dream. But yeah, we we came here, and when I left, I'll just own it. I said, I'm never coming back to this town. You know, your own hometown always feels provincial well, to you. It always feels like a small town. You always want to go build something bigger. And then I lived all up and down the West Coast, all over the East Coast, in the Midwest. You were doing
0: some big things. I mean, you went to Harvard. Uh, I mean, wow. I mean.
1: It always feels like a crisp story in retrospect. Along the way, you're just kind of stumbling through it and you kind of are opportunistic and like, oh, that looks kind of fun and interesting. Yeah, Yeah. may as well go through it. That's the truth. But no, I started in kind of social impact. I moved to D.C. after college and really wanted to work with nonprofits and I got a job with a strategy and communications an actual digital firm working with foundations and nonprofits. What's, and what's
0: I, your sweet spot? You're a strategy person, uh, marketing, man. What, 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 is, what are your-
1: Jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, so you woke is kind up of on I,
0: Monday morning and you got, hey, I get to go do this today. What, what's the thing well, that you just I'll, get really excited I'll about? I'll tell
1: you what I, I did. What day is it today? Monday morning this week, I woke up and I got to say, I get to go visit one of our clients camps this week, which serves- kids struggling through cancer. I get to go visit a customer prospect who's hosting a huge gala for big ambitions. I'll kind of leave it anonymous, but big ambitions who invited me up. I get to be on a podcast and I get to go through all of these financial results and a lot of operational tweaks. I spend a lot of time with the team understanding kind of product roadmap and customer success roadmaps and implementation roadmaps and new opportunities for um, some kind of business development opportunities. So I think my sweet spot is that I have, very short attention spans and I get really weirdly obsessive, but for moments in time about different things. So I like get to do it dive all in. kind of, yeah. Dive out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think my sweet spot is I really, really like people who are very curious and really ambitious and want to do big things and I don't care what they're doing. I just want to work with uh, them. I got and it. so I we like can kind of do a little bit of everything.
0: My, my uh, two-word purpose yeah. is mobilizing possibilities, right? So I love yeah. talking about people, about what are you up to? And yeah. I always go, I go, I'll get more excited about your thing than you are, right? <laughs> totally. Which, which I always feel like I'm helping feed the passion. Yeah. That's my goal here. But uh, yeah. You know what's so funny is that,
1: Classy, uh, one of, you know, Classy's um, kind of motto, reason for being is uh, to mobilize and empower the world for good. So I resonate with that quite a bit. And I feel like maybe that's my personal one as well.
0: Fits, right? Um,
1: yeah, it does. But yeah, so I, I mean, after working in social enterprise for a while, I actually moved over to do consumer strategy for media and then worked in e-com for retail and found classy here in San Diego as I was trying to move back. And it was th- this.
0: So you were kind of trying to figure out what you might do. Yeah. Come, well, I knew I loved it. The, and then you were like, for a spot.
1: That's right. I loved, I loved the business world. I love technology. I loved e I loved consumer loyalty. I loved social impact and classy, which was founded here in San Diego is really the connection of all of those things. It's digital ecom loyalty, but for the sector that frankly deserves engagement the most and again something that you know the San Diego listeners might not know is actually Classy and GoFundMe were born within a few blocks of each other within a few months of each other here in San Diego they're both local companies they were you know oh I didn't know GoFundMe yeah, was here yep yep oh, yep, oh, yep. Wow. they were both kind of founded here and it was really amazing because you know it was something that and I wasn't there for the early days and so I'm, I'm repeating a story that I've talked to the founders of kind of both the companies about they talk about this was a time when technology really wasn't being fostered here. Everybody was coming in, you know, investors were coming in and saying, you got to move it up to San Francisco. You want great talent. You want access to investors. You really want to get the buzz. You've got to go to Silicon Valley. And they were saying, no, we, we believe in it. We believe we can build something really important here. And they both stuck it out. They both kind of really stuck to their roots and still the biggest concentration of employees for both companies in San Diego.
0: So it's kind of ironic that it's great. And years later, you know, that two, we're together. Two yeah. two come together right?
1: <laughs> That's right. And we've known each other for a long time. And the wonderful thing is we've talked, you know, leadership has talked to each other for years. We've kind of supported each other. We're trying to get at this whole concept and of helping. goals. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But from different angles. And so it's always been a really supportive relationship.
0: So it's kind of almost back to what we were talking about yeah. earlier in the cause conference. Yes. Right? Like you've got these kind I of like-minded, that. similar things. Like, well, how do we come together? That's right. Full circle. And yeah. What do we have? 15,000 or whatever nonprofits here yeah. in our yeah. local area. like.
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs> do we, do we, we can partner a, more. Do we need
0: another one? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what if we had a <laughs> hundred? As, as long
1: as there's effective collaboration, you well, know. Well, that's what it's you guys
0: like are helping bring working. in, right? We're but, working on it. Put some technology there, <laughs> and bring us all together.
1: Just as easy as that. So I
0: was at an event the other day and I yeah. happened to be talking to someone that works in your organization. And huh. he, he said, I should ask you uh, why you don't eat octopus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so- this maybe gives a little insight into, I mean, I've been a vegetarian for 30 years. I was eight years old. Oh, I just gave away my age, there we go. Uh, I was eight years old, we were in Iran and we were on this hike and this lovely man who lived in one of the villages at the base of the mountains came up and had a uh, a little lamb and he was trying to sell it to us. And my you know sheltered self was saying like, great, this is an adorable new pet. And my dad is sitting there trying to explain. He's trying to sell us dinner. And I was like, well, we'll be taking the lamb and we won't be eating it for dinner now or ever. And I managed to convince the rest of my family to not only accept my newfound vegetarianism, but I also managed to convert convert them all. You know, my dad, 80%, but my, you know, the rest of my family became vegetarian for a long time. And even when I go a little, now it's been so long, if I let myself cave octopus or very smart animals. They've got big personalities. They are really fascinating. And there's just something about seeing intelligence and like there's a there's a blocker there for I'm me. I'm not going <laughs> to do it. I'm
0: not eating something smarter than me. That's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> well, maybe, you, right. I don't
0: know, you become what you eat. So <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe you should double down on it. <laughs>
1: Let me know how that goes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it reminds me of a story. Um, I worked for a guy that was originally from Ghana. Yeah. He was over here with uh kind of a big guy in J&J and went back for a family thing, takes his kids. Yeah. And it was the same deal. Yeah. He got sent off to go get the goat or whatever. <laughs> and the kids go, yeah, 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 let's go pick one out. Not knowing. <laughs>
1: that's that's that the end of that. Yeah, I know,
0: I yeah. know, I know. Because I know. Uh, the kids didn't talk to him for quite a while. Very,
1: uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Tenacious, stubborn, annoying, whatever word you want to use on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: I know you're also involved with uh, Urban Surf for Kids, Uh, right? What's what's that all about? So
1: Urban Surf is an organization that's been around San Diego for a long time. And I have to own that I am one of the least active of the community there, but I'm still gonna talk about them because I uh, just love them. And you know things have come in waves uh, appropriately in terms of how committed I've been able to be, but I do wanna elevate them. So this is an organization that works with foster and adopted youth in San Diego and Southern California and gets into the beach. I mean, it originated as these kids often were wards of the state, were not actually allowed to even go to the beach because of it. And this organization got an exemption to take them to these surf camps all summer. And then it's extended from there. It's become mentorship programs, it's become life skills uh, education. It's become, you know, all kinds of activities where we take some of these kids, you know, after they complete all kinds of life education series and um, college prep series, then a certain select number get to go to Hawaii for a week and get to experience something that they've, you know, these experiences that they don't have in their day-to-day life. And a lot of these kids, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words because the resilience and the experiences these kids have had as a mom, your heart just breaks for these kids and they're right here. These are local kids who have gone through unimaginable hardship and have this tenacity, you know, like forced tenacity. You wish they didn't have to have it, but uh, they're so resilient and to be able to let them be kids for even a moment is something that's really humbling and amazing and again if most of your listeners are in san diego please look up this organization they need volunteers you don't have to be a surfer i am not a surfer you you just hang out with these kids and let them be themselves for a little bit and this organization kind of really encapsulates what it means to you know you don't have to solve the world's problems you can find something and just lean in and it makes a difference um i just can't say enough about about that organization
0: so we got a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world yes and uh what are you optimistic about
1: Oh man. My secret admission is I have to meditate a lot because I actually think the state of the world is really scary. Mm. Um, I am optimistic because when you meet people, you see good heartedness. And right now we're up against things that are far beyond any individual ability to control or contain. And so you have to lean in on the fact that people actually, you know, by and large, are innately good, are trying to do good things, operate from a place of love and care. I really see that day after day. I believe in it. And the question is, how do you allow people to mobilize that emotion for good? And so- um, not
0: just freeze up or- Yeah, yeah. that's
1: right. And I, I I do think that I'm really lucky because my work allows me to see- thousands and thousands and thousands of campaigns every single day where people are trying to say, I can't change the whole world, but I can change a little bit of it. And I'm going to try to take action to do that. And then you see their communities rallying around them. And these moments of community, time after time after time are not for naught. So I think the world is really uh, scary. And what I'm optimistic about is that despite it all, or maybe because of it all, you really see people trying to step up to the plate and I think the onus on all of us is to respond in those moments if you're not going to step up try to step up when you can but at least respond and don't become numb to it uh, because we still have impact
0: yeah I went down some uh, rabbit hole this morning listened for about an hour from some guy that was like the early on AI guy from Google or whatever talking about AI and what this is going (laughs) to mean and what (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a
1: lot, and it's I like think, think that, forget <laughs>
0: about uh, global warming. Oh my
1: gosh! <laughs> and I'll Three I'll just years start, from now, this is going to yeah. be a whole other
0: program. It is know, so. well,
1: and the thing is, it's not the future is not a foregone conclusion, and the second we right. assume it is, right. like you you lean back and so don't. That's one of the things he said. It was not really right. prof-
0: it was a really really excellent uh, interview. Super the super sentence. interesting guy. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, uh, kind of coming to the end of the podcast it's here. <laughs> So what's the big thing? What's the one big message you want to deliver to the audience?
1: Well, the audience has just spent whatever it is, half an hour listening to us. And I think the big thing is just invite everyone to be part of the conversation. I think we all have a role to play. I've said it a few times. I just, it's, it's something I believe really to my core, the second we're hoping that somebody else is going to solve these problems, that people who work in the nonprofit space or people who are declared, you know, CSR leaders are going to solve these problems. We're gone. And so really just participate in the conversation participate in the action. It is incumbent on all of us to, to lean in. And so uh, I hope, I hope I see you at the conference. I hope, you know, you connect with me separately, but regardless, I, I hope that you just kind of lean in, in the ways that you can.
0: Awesome. It's a great place to connect. Cause conference, 2023, 25th anniversary, seven, September 14th. Let's see okay. you there, right? See you, you there. Get some tickets. You can go to a uh, cause San to get tickets. Jeff, thanks so much. Soraya, wow, what a blast. <laughs> love your energy. It's a lot of fun. You're doing some amazing work. Again, thanks for uh, jumping in and participating in the cause conference here. I think it is a great opportunity for people to come together, and uh, we need more folks like you uh, engaged in the game, and, geez, and everything else you're doing as well. So we're glad you decided to come back to San Diego. Uh,
1: thanks so much for Because I do think, think we <laughs> can make this
0: our little big little city yes. here. We could really be a, a premier city.
1: Yes, so. I love that. Thanks so much for the work you're doing.
0: So that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, comment, and most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. Again, special thanks to our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, and Cause San Diego, who are all using the influence of business to positively impact our very own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Lenton from Jailbreak Leadership saying, until next time, go do what you do. Go do what you do best for all counting on you.